London Calling, London Walks Connecting. London Walks here with today's London Fix. Story time. History time. Gugas and confetti first. As served up by your London copy taster. It's August 2nd. It's National Ice Cream Sandwich Day. And National Coloring Book Day. And National Regatta Day. And National Jacqueline Day. Hello, Jacqueline's out there. A tip of the hat on your day. And not forgetting Virgin of Los Angeles Day. I didn't know there was one. But where do these things come from? Who dreams them up? They're like bugs on a car grill screen. Wonder if we can send the thing up. The more preposterous, the better. National Scuff Marks Day, for example. Or National Ingrown Toenail Day. Or National Forgot My Password Day. Come on, folks, you come up with them and I'll work them into the weave. See if we can pass them off as every bit as bona fide as National Ice Cream Sandwich Day. Anyway, so much for the warm-up act. The main course today is August 2nd, 1858. And there are three sides to go with it. The first side is a couple of further ruminations about yesterday's serving the abolition of slavery across the British Empire on August 1st, 1834. Thinking about that celebratory dinner in the Freemasons' Tavern, my God, there was a lot of mutual back-padding going on there. They didn't just feel good about what they'd accomplished. They were very pleased with themselves and, of course, felt infinitely superior to the poor benighted souls who'd just been emancipated. The three other points that jumped out at me were, one, the Jamaica governor's observation that if the slaves hadn't been freed, what he called a fatal convulsion of society in the West Indies was in the offing. Somebody had wet a finger and put it up in the air. They knew which way the wind was blowing. And two, that point about now that slavery was abolished, England would start making some serious profits from its Caribbean colonies. Bottom line, these people weren't saints. There was something in it for them, something rather more tangible than just feel good about doing what's right, putting a wooden stake through the heart of a monstrous iniquity. And the third matter is that nearly 50 million people live in modern slavery today. That's nearly four times as many people who were captured and sold into slavery between the 15th and 19th centuries, four times as many slaves in 2023 as there were in the four centuries of the so-called slave era. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a stomach-churning statistic. Oh, and look, here are two more sides. They pair nicely. It's a neat coincidence. On August 2nd, 1870, a world first for London the Tower Subway opened. It was the world's first underground tube railway. 97 years later, to the day, August 2nd, 1967, the second Blackwall Tunnel opened in Greenwich. Wonder if that was a coincidence. August 2nd, National Thames Tunnel Day. And as long as we're down in Greenwich, the home of time, it was on August 2nd, 1880, that the British Parliament officially adopted Greenwich Mean Time. 
And now comes our main course. It's August 2nd, 1858. The government of India is transferred from the East India Company to the British Crown. That's hard on the heels of the Indian Mutiny. It had kicked off in early May in the previous year. And it goes without saying, that is a cue for putting in a word about Lisa Honan's East India Company walk. Lisa's the distinguished former diplomat whose expertise is augmented by first-hand experience. She gets rave review after rave review. The most recent one came in three days ago. Here's what Walker Nadim Khan said. Lisa wears her diplomatic credentials modestly. The sweep of 200-plus years of history was expertly captured in the narrative built during an excellent walk full of insights and information. The company's considerable legacy was well-researched and both sensitively and honestly described. For what is perhaps a relatively niche subject matter, you may well be surprised by how much you take away with you. Much food for thought would highly recommend. There is a gem of a hidden monument that also awaits. Next outing for the East India Company walk is August 15th, and Lisa's just back from the Arctic. She'll have a tale or two to tell about that experience. Do be sure to ask her. But let's get back to our anniversary. As usual, I wanted to get a contemporary feel for what was, after all, an Everest of a story. East India Company stepping aside for the British crown. So I got myself to the summer of 1858 and ordered up a few newspapers. Here's a representative sample. As much as I admire historians and learn no end of this, that, and the other from them, in one very real sense, their output is like processed food. You want the real thing, the mood, the raw feelings. You lend an ear to somebody who's in the thick of it back in 1858. Here's how matters looked and felt to them. Subtitled, Present State of India, the piece reads... June 23rd was the anniversary of the Battle of Plassey, when Clive, with a thousand Englishmen and two thousand sepoys, defeated and dispersed the army of Bengal, numbering 40,000 infantry, 15,000 cavalry, 50 pieces of the heaviest ordnance, and a number of French auxiliaries. On this day last year, the mutineers were in possession of Delhi. They had beset Lucknow, and besieged Kanpur, a wail was heard throughout the land, and people asked each other with pale lips what was to happen next. England, however, girded up her loins and prepared herself for the struggle. She lost many men, but she did not lose her heart, and India is ours today, I more firmly and more enduringly than ever it was since its fetters were forged on the plains of Plassey. Delhi is ours. Lucknow is ours. Kanpur is ours. Berali is ours. Yansi is ours. Kalpi is ours. Kota is ours. And Gwalior is ours. There is, in fact, not a stronghold in the country from the summit of which the British flag is not waving. The princes of the Mughal dynasty have been shot like dogs and their carcasses exposed in the marketplace. Everywhere, retribution has overtaken the murderers 
and the remnants of the mutinous army are now the denizens of the jungle. The rebellious rajas and chiefs have now neither house nor home. They have been blown from guns, hanged, transported, and imprisoned. And even the foot of the miscreant of Bithur can scarcely find a resting place among his own kith and kindred. The king of Delhi is awaiting a felon's doom, and everywhere disaster, disgrace, and death have followed all who opposed us. Timid people still entertain alarm, but there is no longer any real grounds for apprehension. The anniversary of Plassey in 1857 found us, in the midst of all our troubles and calamities, still the dominant race. And today, amid all our triumphs and victories, finds us a thousand times more so. We have no doubt a great work still before us, but the grand end has been attained. Our supremacy in India has been made manifest. The prestige of our arms has everywhere been maintained, and even bang and fanaticism have recoiled before the British bayonet. We have beaten the rebels on their own battlegrounds. We have driven them from the fortresses they had most strongly fortified, and we have met and muzzled them in the jungles like tigers in their dens. Bang, if you didn't know, I didn't, is an edible preparation of cannabis. It's like paper, stone, scissors, isn't it? Bayonets beat bang. Now there's a surprise. Blustery, isn't it? And I think it's whistling past the graveyard. Either that, or he didn't know his gibbon. How's that famous passage go? The shores of history are littered with the wrecks of empires. Didn't know his gibbon and didn't have a crystal ball. Couldn't see the bandy-legged, bespectacled, little Indian lawyer clad in a loincloth who wasn't too far up ahead and who in the end would strew one more wreck of empire on the shores of history. You've been listening to the Today in London History podcast emanating from www.walks.com, home of London Walks, London's signature walking tour company, London's local, time-honored, Fiercely independent, family-owned, just the right size walking tour company. And as long as we're at it, London's multi-award-winning walking tour company. Indeed, London's only award-winning walking tour company. And here's the secret. London Walks is essentially run as a guides cooperative. That's the key to everything. It's the reason we're able to attract and keep the best guides in London. You can get schlubbers to do this for 20 pounds a walk, but you cannot get world-class guides, let alone accomplished professionals. It's not rocket science. You get what you pay for. And just as surely, you also get what you don't pay for. Back in 1968, when we got started we quickly came to a fork in the road. We had to answer a searching question. Do we want to make the most money? Or do we want to be the best walking tour company in the world? You want to make the most money, you go the schlubber's route. You want to be the best walking tour company in the world. You do whatever you have to do to attract and keep the best guides in London. 
You want them guiding for you, not for somebody else. Bears repeating, the way we're structured, a guide's cooperative, is the key to the whole thing. It's the reason people who know go with London Walks. It's the reason we've got a big following, a lively, loyal, discerning following. Quality attracts quality. It's the reason we're able, uniquely, to front our walks with accomplished, in many cases, distinguished professionals. By way of example, Stuart Purvis, the former editor and subsequently CEO of Independent Television News, and Lisa Honan, who had a distinguished career as a diplomat. Lisa was the governor of St. Helena, the island where Napoleon breathed his last and, some say, had his penis amputated. Napoleon didn't feel a thing. If things the most used, he was dead. Stuart and Lisa, both of them CBEs, are just a couple of our headline acts. The London Walk's all-star team of guides includes a former London mayor. It includes barristers, one of them an MBE. It includes doctors, geologists, museum curators, archaeologists, historians, criminal defense lawyers, university professors, Royal Shakespeare Company actors, a bevy of MVPs, Oscar winners, people who've won the big one, the Guide of the Year Award. Well, you get the idea. As that travel writer famously put it, if this were a golf tournament, every name on the leaderboard would be a London Walks guide. And as we put it, London Walks guides make the new familiar, and the familiar new. And on that agreeable note, come then, let us go forward together on some great London Walks. And that's by way of saying, good Londoning one and all. See you next time.